You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders within the UK. I'm Ruth Pike. I help connect tech teams with contract tech talent. And today I am your host. Today, I'm joined by a really great panel to discuss working from home and how to keep your team engaged and prevent burning out. Now, it's been such a pleasure um, to have such an extraordinary panel here, and I'm sure it's going to be a really interesting discussion, having spoken to you all over the last few weeks um, and learning what your tips, tricks and views are. Now, it's probably a topic that I know a lot of people have been facing over the last couple of years. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. And what I'd like to know is who you are, what you do, and also what are you pa- passionate about? So, Amanda, ladies first. I'll put it over to yourself, please. Thanks, Ruth. Um, hi, everybody. I'm Amanda Newman. Um, my day job, I'm a senior manager here at Accenture. Um, I'm really passionate about um, empowering women to achieve their potential. So, um, kind of my... My hobby is a Facebook group which I run called The Career Mum, um, which is set up to support and empower women to reach their potential. I think we've just hit 6,100 members globally, so hopefully we're doing a lot to impact people and benefit women, and men and women are welcome, and parents are not. Amazing. Thank you very much. Giles, um, a little bit about yourself, please. So I'm Giles Walker. I'm the global CTO for retail and CPG at Microsoft, and I specifically look after Unilever as a client globally. Uh, so I help them with anything to do with their Microsoft Azure strategy, linking it to their business outcomes. Uh, what am I passionate about? It's sort of similar to Amanda. Mine's more so on the mentoring side of things. So I do a lot of mentoring with with uh, new grads and, and and people who are sort of you know early into their career, helping them guide their, their way through you know the, the mess that is the bureaucracy of, of big business and, and how they can obviously get through that. So. It's a bit of where I come in. Lovely. Thank you very much. And to hear, we've got a retainer to our podcast, so you must have had such an amazing time last time. Um, to hear, can you tell everyone who you are and what you're passionate about, please? Sure, yeah, certainly. So my name is Tahir Mahmood. Um, although I'm currently sort of um, consulting contracting at a Ella group, I pretty much am an independent consultant contractor. That's what I tend to do with the uh, 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 30 odd years in the technology industry. Um, my passion right now, uh, I've set myself a, quite a, a lofty goal, is to make Manchester the tech hub for crypto, blockchain, Web3. So that's basically what I'm really passionate about right now. Amazing. <laughs> nice clap from Amanda there for the people that can't see. <laughs> um, okay, amazing. Um, thank you all very much for um, telling us who you are and what you're passionate about. So now that I've established some context, let's move on to the topic and focus. So everybody here um, is on on this podcast because you've got an interest in the topic of working from home, which again, has been a massive topic over the last few years. So we've got a number of questions to cover. So what I'll do, I'll work away around the room. I'll ask the questions and then I'll um, ask to see what your views um, and your take is on that situation. So I'm going to start with your question, Amanda. And your question was, how do you ensure you are checking in on, on, on teams, mental health and, sh- and ensuring that their hygiene factors are met when we don't see body language when working from home and increasingly people are leaving their cameras off? Really interesting one. So I'm going to start. Actually, Amanda, I'll start with yourself. Tell me what you think on that and your views. Well, I think there's um, real value in planning time in the office 
and I think we have to earn that time in the office. So it can't just be expecting people to come in and then spend the day in their typical um, Teams conference calls. So we have to do nice things, maybe give lunch, maybe have a nice team meeting or a brown bag or something prepared. Um, and it's important just to stay connected one-to-one. I'm trying to encourage my team to turn their camera on. Um, I always have my camera on, if I'm, even if I'm the only one, but I also respect that not everybody's comfortable with that. So that's why I asked the question. Um, I think it's a challenge that all of us are facing and typically people are working from home more than not. So it's something that it's important we address. Brilliant. And Giles, can, what do you think? I agreed. I think one of the things with uh, the whole work from home, especially if you work for a global company where you've got potentially team members all over the world, you can't necessarily do the go and meet and greet in the office, which makes it tricky is to Amanda's point, obviously, it's enforcing some camera usage. So we do that as much as possible. I mean, within Microsoft, it's generally the culture is to have your camera on for most calls, unless it's just a, a quick little personal team call, you might not bother, but usually it's on. Um, I think the key bit, though, is, is really making that conscious effort to have calls with people not that are unwork related, you know, to actually just check in and see how people are doing. Um, it's almost you got to do it a little bit more in a formal sense instead of the, the water cooler or the coffee stop and, and have a chit chat. You've got to kind of make that time. Um, but I find that that makes a big difference because you're actually then sort of just reaching out to just see how people are. So, you know, usually Mondays and Fridays is a great time. Like, how was your weekend? And then what have you got planned for the weekend sort of thing? And that usually helps get a nice little chit chat going. Definitely. I've got to agree. And to hear, what do you think? You know, it's really interesting because one of the reasons why <clears throat> I thought this podcast would be even more interesting is as I go back to literally where my career started and, you know, back in the late 80s, uh, obviously the, the mood and everything was we didn't have interconnectivity, we didn't have broadband, we didn't have all these lovely things that we take for granted. So the, the, the culture never existed of even work from home because if you went home, you were detached from work. That was it, done. Yeah. And to be fair with you, I know you're all going to giggle. I love that world. I loved that time. I am absolutely I must I, you know, I must be one of the most people in technology, but I hate technology. I know it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> OK, yeah, it's ridiculous. Giles, they're going and he's ex Microsoft. How come he hates technology? I hate it. Honestly, the reason for it is, is that for me, uh, what happened over the course of technology where we had mobile phones from analog to digital then we had dial-up then we had broadband and i think that internet you know revolution that came about uh, which is where you can work from home where you were always in the office and uh, forgive me giles i blame bill gates for this for you know this thing a computer at every desk and every home whatever god he set it all off uh, it's maybe he knew something. He certainly predicted a pandemic as well, I believe. So maybe he tied the two together. So the funny part is, so we get to that stage where now we have great connectivity or at least connectivity to the point that a pandemic hits and we're all able to just click our fingers and everything's working. It, uh, the internet connectivity in terms of being able to do Teams and Zoom and whatever it may be, all these tools that led us. But what is missing to me is still we're two and a two and a half years into the pandemic and I still believe we're missing that critical part of what should be work from home and uh, what are those policies what are how do we make sure we keep people from being isolated mental health issues how do we create those you know uh, work-life balance I mean I've read lots and lots of papers on this as part of some work that I've been doing for a client and interesting enough it all comes to the point that it turns out that we've actually not achieved very much I hate to say it and because 
you've got companies that are fighting I need you to come back into the office oh and people are saying no we don't want to come oh I'm not even going to work for you anymore if you force me to come back in so we, we've literally hit that and we've hit something that we're not addressing so what I loved Amanda about your question is is that I think it's very very pertinent that we recognize we haven't solved it yeah Brilliant. Does anyone want to add to that? I, I agreed with you on that one. I think this is the challenge I've seen with a number of people who to your point to hear where they go, oh, you know, well, we should have a, a two day mandate. We come into the office. Of course, everyone's going, well, why? So to your point, Amanda, if I'm just coming in to do Teams calls, what's the point? Um, what I've sort of been helping some clients on on this is that the whole aspect has changed now where the office isn't, you know, you have to come in because you can't work from home anyway, but the technology allows you to do that. And we've proven you can work from home you know we did it for two years where you had to work from home and obviously that's not for everybody but for a lot of jobs you, you can do it from home easily enough the challenge now comes in is is there's that change of aspect where before the office was that's where work happens now that happens at home so then what's the office for mm -hmm. so it's, it's changing that concept to go actually the office is more for collaboration and and doing that human interaction piece and doing you know, workshops as an example you know, everyone's done a workshop on teams and they're not the best you know, you, people are sort of fighting over each other and everyone now and again goes on mute and you've got to tell them and it, it doesn't it doesn't flow nicely. But if you're just if if, if a, an employer's view is you must come into the office three times a week because it's not very compelling. Mm. And I think that's that change. Why? And I think no one's answering you know, to your point to here. Why should I be doing this? What, what is it for? Yeah. Um, and to me, it's it's that it's that outcome piece. I'm going in for a specific outcome. Like today, I'm in the office, um, and the only reason I'm in is because I was doing a number of meetings with people who I haven't met personally. We've done a, a number of big deals, and we needed to do some workshop sessions where we had to collaborate in person. And it made it a hell of a lot easier and more productive because we could you know, bounce off each other's body language and what was happening, and I'd be a bit more dynamic where you can't do that on a Teams call. But you don't do that every single day. That's sometimes, but you do do your your normal day job of Teams calls and and stuff every day, which don't necessarily need to be in the office. Yeah, I agree. Agreed, agreed. Okay, so let's move on to the next question, which is Giles. Um, so your question was, mindset changes from time-based to outcome-based. If the role does not require set hours, such as IT ticket to poor, for example, then how do we help a team manage their time so they do not burn out through not being able to switch off from work when at home? So, um, Giles, I'll start with you on that, please. I mean, this happened to me in the first part of the lockdown. So I was uh, a five day a week suit and tie into the city every day. And so, of course, when lockdown hit, it was very, very hard to do that switch off of work because you're not doing anything. So I'd be working till eight, nine, ten o'clock at night sometimes and starting at you know six o'clock in the morning because there's nothing else to do. So I may as well work. And of course, very, very quickly burnt out. Um, and so it made me realize that that's you know, to, to hear to the point we were talking about just before on what's the outcome you're trying to achieve by working from home is different to I'm sitting on my de at my desk doing work, which was what it was before. As long as I'm seen and doing something, I'm obviously working. Where at home, you're not seen, you are working. And so what I've sort of pushed for the number of teammates on this is is trying to be very clear from a, from a leadership perspective of you have to switch off and you have to actively just put the phone away and don't look at it, which sounds simple. But when your office is three paces away from where you're sitting, it's almost being a little bit um, uh, micromanaging almost on your team in those early days of, of really trying to make sure that you're, you're keeping on top of them going it's eight o'clock turn off you don't need to be working anymore it's it's done you can do it in the morning that you know it's a friday go out 
it's just you know it's encouraging that block i found now more so that people have gotten a bit used to it i don't see it as much but in the early parts of lockdown it was something i was very conscious of with especially with the younger um members of my team who you know don't necessarily have kids or or you know or living alone in their own apartment very difficult for them to turn off so it was, it was i sort of took it as my role as actively helping them to make sure they did turn off and not that they weren't doing too much definitely and it's just a way of protecting people's mental health isn't it as well and again what amanda says is checking in on those people to make sure that everything is okay um amanda um, i'll let you go next please well I, and i think um to what giles has said it's important that we're role models and we um practice what we preach um, I think it's really important to switch off. I've, I've talked a few weeks before about the fact that I've just returned from nine months off sick with breast cancer and, and I'm better now, but um, it's up to me. I'm, I'm, I'm accountable for setting my own boundaries um, and I'm learning how to do that better. And that means respecting my own well-being, making sure I have time out in the evening, making sure I don't work at weekends. And I tell my story to my team and to um, fellow colleagues to encourage them to respect their own health and well-being because um, stress and overwork has really negative consequences. So nobody will look after you. You've got to do it. 100%. Um, Tahir, do you want to go next? Certainly. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's been an incredibly difficult time for everyone. I mean, no matter what... what sphere of industry you come in for those that where we've had technology jobs uh it's been great because we just get to do what we normally do and you sort of think okay well you know that's just sitting at home and then others uh, where the jobs have not been uh, as easy they've literally had to go what do i do with my time because i cannot work and yet i might go and furlough or i may not even have a job so i really am empathic and uh, sympathize with what the pandemic did to a lot of people uh, and coming out of it how uh, we deal with those people because those people are now sort of going maybe i need to change a job and find a job where the next time this happens maybe because of i don't know ptsd all these sort of things that come out of these things that i hear about where maybe i should get a tech job so the next time this happens i'm not going to be laid off maybe i'll have a job and i can still do it so to me it's been an incredible time and i think uh, i hate to say this but i absolutely blame the companies for the fact that they've really taken this very very badly in the sense that um rather than sort of saying okay let's stop and really think about what we're going to do to keep that well-being of companies and i've admired some companies because i work for a lot of companies so for instance um the yellow where i currently work i absolutely have great respect for them and i work for a, a chat called anwar sultan there who they have a, a, they have it that lunchtime is lunchtime for an hour. You are not allowed to do calls. You're not allowed to book meetings with customers, clients, no matter what. It is just that's your hour. Just take it like any other hour that you would have taken, even with whether you're hybrid, virtual, or whatever. And then I've seen other companies who have abused the uh, fact, and you know, as Johnson, um, you know, as uh, and, uh, Amanda said. Other companies have taken advantage of the fact that, hey, you know what, we've got a workforce that's going to work longer, so let's give them more, right? Uh, it, it sounds ridiculous. So how do we truly deal with this? And, you know, I'm coming out of this and sort of thinking, and again, you might take me as the dinosaur in the room, that I actually want companies to force people to go back into their offices, but create a great, great hybrid environment and give the support that's needed. Definitely. Does, would anyone like to add something onto that? Yeah, just on, yeah. on that piece. I mean, I think Mandy, you hit it before is, you know, leadership 
emulate what they want their teams to be doing. And I mean, I remember a couple of companies that I was working with where uh, during the pandemic, they're saying, oh, so, you know, make sure you've got your mental health, et cetera. And so we're going to do a call at 6 p.m. to help talk to you about mental health and overwork. And you're kind of going, does that not sort of, you know, hit at what you're talking about? And then, of course, you know, the next one was, you know, don't send emails after eight o'clock. And literally that night from the HR director, I got an email at 1030. And it's going, guys, you know, do you, do you not see the problem with this? I mean, one of the things I think we can help with this because obviously the, there is absolute benefit with with some aspects of going back to the office. But then again, for some people, that, you know, they don't see the value in it as well, depending on what their role is or who they are personally, especially if you've got, um, say, if you're highly introverted or, you know, potentially, you know, you've got um, autism as an example, you know, and you struggle with dealing with uh, the, the office environment, you know, this whole work from home makes it much easier for you, is being clear from a leadership perspective of what's that outcome based. And it's, you know, so where I was phrasing this question on is, if you think back to before where it was bums on seats, it's you, you've got to do the hours, regardless of what the outcome is, it's just make sure you're seen and doing the hours. Where if, if you go, here is what we want to achieve this quarter, if you achieve that in eight weeks, or you achieve that in 10 weeks, does it matter? Because you still achieve the outcome that we're trying to hit for our quarterly targets for our overall, you know, ROI for whatever it is we're doing. And it that sort of changes that concept of you're here to work from nine to five to here, you're here to achieve the outcomes of the business. And where at home you have that flexibility to go, well, if I work best between, you know, 5 a.m. in the morning till 7 a.m., but then for the seven till 10, I'm I'm not working because I'm doing kid stuff. Is that okay? And to me, I, I personally go, yeah, it is, as long as it doesn't affect, you know, the normal outcome that you're trying to achieve. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, can, I completely agree with that. And I think it's um, really important to help your teams find perspective. So I, you know, especially in the last nine months, I've found real perspective about health and well-being. And I always say to my team, if I see them working late at night and they just say they've got too much to do, I'm like, is anybody going to die? And um, you know, I've spent 20 years at Shell. I'm like, are any platforms on fire? Is there something going to burn down? And generally the answer is no. I'm like, well, the work won't go away. Save it till tomorrow. Just stop working. I uh, use the exact same thing. So my wife's a veterinarian. And so in her job, things do die. And so I use yeah. that as an example. And I say, yeah. you know, my wife, if she goes, oh, it's 5 p.m., I better go. And there's a dog on the table being, you know, having surgery, it's going to die. So she has to stay and do it. And that's that difference is that hers is outcome based, but also time linked. So You've, you've just got to get the job done and you can't stop it where if you're doing a proposal that's not due for another three weeks you really need to work till midnight to get it done and at the end of the day if it's a bit stretched at the last minute does it really matter not can really. I ask you um, a question so have you, have you ever come in a situation where you've been speaking to your team and it's been a continuous reminder that they have to leave at say 5 p.m but the what, what happens if your um, team member just wants to continue to wear what measures have you taken in that instance that's to anybody that's that that's just not that's not on the schedule but I was just wondering maybe for people listening who have got team members who just continuously don't listen to the advice given what will, in what instance would what would you what steps would you take well, I've got a team member who does that now yeah. Um, yeah they'll send emails on a Sunday at 11 30 at night and you know it's it's fine but talking this is, comes like I think Amanda you mentioned too it's just being more personal talking to her she likes to do it and she's mm. really happy to do it she's just you know she's got nothing else to do kind of thing and she wants to go and send her emails ready for Monday to her mentally that's actually a positive to her because she likes to do it and it makes her feel comfortable that she's all planned and ready for the next day even though at 11 30 at night I'm absolutely not reading the email I'm going to wait till Monday morning but for her it works and I think that's that key thing is just not everybody's the same hence that whole thing of come back to the office not everyone wants to so how do you have that flexibility and it's the same someone wants to work at 11 o'clock at night on a Sunday because they personally enjoy it well then for their mental health that's a positive yeah and I think so long as they're not also working like 15 hour days and burning themselves out and we have to look out for that 
And I've seen a lot recently that people having their footers um, now time to work flexibly. And I might send emails out of normal working hours and I do not expect you to respond. And I really like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or even using timed um, delay for your emails. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if I can just add to that, I mean, what uh, is interesting is, is like you said, Giles, which is we all have a pattern and we all have a behaviour that we prefer. It's like me. I mean, I'm one of those who rarely switches off um, uh, just the, the way I'm made. Um, you know, but at the same time, I have to remember and respect that there are others uh, that who I might email that are not to email me back. Um, but again, I, I, I work very carefully about the channels that I use. So I say to myself, if it is outside of work hours, I'm OK to email because they'll sit in an email box and they'll pick it up when it's the time. But I will not Slack. No, I will not WhatsApp. No, I will not do anything that's instant, which will force people to feel under pressure or feel that they have to respond because those other channels we consider as immediate rather than sort of in your mailbox. So again, it, I, I think a lot of it comes down to we've just got to find the, how we use our tools much better. and. You know, I, I much prefer companies and HR departments creating policies which sort of say that, you know, this is how we do it. And, you know, maybe uh, if you're able to, you know, you could switch off Slack. <laughs> and apart from those very important sort of support channels that you might need because you have teams on standby to keep the systems going, you, you just turn them off. Um, you know, maybe I should write to Slack and saying, here's a, a new feature you should build, you know, turn it off. Uh, but yeah, I think it's really important that as we come out of this, we reflect on the tools, we reflect on policies and we reflect on what we get out of this, you know, whether it's a retrospective or postmortem, whatever you want to call it. And I hate using the word postmortem because in this instance, there was death. It, you know, most projects, when you don't postmortems because nobody actually dies but sadly in, in this uh, pandemic people have died so uh, i hope um and you know what i love about um you know what giles and amanda because they come from great big organizations which is you know some of my questions are focused around asking how are they performing how are they doing what they are doing it's easy to say i would like this but how do you get your organizations which sometimes can be titanics that you can't turn Great. Does anyone want to add to that or should we move on to the next question? All good. Yeah, brilliant. So this is Tahir's question and it sort of um, ties in with the technology um, like he's just been mentioning. So working from home pro productivity has resulted in higher communication and coordination costs. So in brackets, communication, coordination and collaboration are more costly in a virtual work setting. Time spent on coordination activities and meetings has increased while uninterrupted work hours shrank considerably focus time how can technology be improved to deal with this same um, so to hear i'll let you answer or say your views on this question first please yeah i mean the reason i'm asking is is it's because uh, again i i'm very eager to understand what have we learned from this pandemic in terms of you know was the only real revolutionary piece of technology video calling and that's it that's the, that, that's the extent to which we've come out of this. So it really made me feel sad because I'm an innovator. You know, I love to invent. I love to do great things. And I keep thinking to myself, since we've come out of the pandemic, I've still not seen any innovation. So I want to know what that is. Can we actually do something incredible? Okay. Amanda, would you like to start on this one, please? Uh, I'm not sure I've got anything incredible to share, but I'm sure <laughs> we are doing many incredible things and innovating on the on the. You know, as an outcome of the pandemic and 
and also through the pandemic, I know many of my colleagues were working extremely hard to innovate and, and work in different ways. And um, personally, uh, you know, you mentioned focus time and it's just a Teams feature, but I do use the, the Teams feature to automatically um, insert focus time in my schedule during the week. Um, sometimes it gets uh, override, overridden, but um, I do try and maintain that as blocks of time where I can spend time to think and, um, you know, go for a walk, listen to a podcast, do some learning and self-development um, and use that focus time because that's how we grow. So um, for me, post-pandemic, that has been a slightly different way of working. Great. And Giles, would you like to go next, please? Yeah, I think exactly to your point, Amanda, I mean, the focus time, using the technology to help you culturally as a business and as people, you've got to respect that. And you, know, okay, you can't always um, have your focus time completely free. There will be times when stuff has to be done and that's fine. But if I know within Microsoft, it's one of those key bits where the focus time comes in automatically based on, on how you work and what Viva thinks you need. And usually it's pretty accurate. Um, most people tend to leave that alone within the Microsoft space. If you've got focus time, it, it is sort of um, agreed, you know, don't book in meetings unless you really, really have to sort of thing. So that's quite good. One of the things I think to hear to your point is you know, from a technology space. I mean, I did a talk on this to a gaming company a little while ago was when when the pandemic hit, it, you know, it wasn't because of a technology revolution. It wasn't because of some inspiring speech. It was because COVID hit and you had to go do it. You, know, it was a, you were forced to go sit at home and use the technology, but the technology had been there for a good few years before COVID hit and we just weren't using it the way it could have been used, which was you know, to, to allow that remoteness to happen. I think one of the things that I've noticed, I mean, personally within myself, but more so with, with other colleagues as well, is that actual realization, depending on what you said, you know, is this really life or death when it comes to work? Where before with that nine to five in the office, it was never nine to five, it was more like 7.30 till 8.30 and then three hours worth of commute to get home, you know, actually spending so much more time with the kids, much more time with the wife, actually being able to enjoy that time a lot more because I haven't just done an 18 hour day, including the commute, where by the time I get home, I'm basically ready to pass out and then do it all again the next day. Where now I can get up, make breakfast for the kids. I can take them to school. So for the last two years, I've been taking them to school every single morning and most afternoons I pick them up as well. Where before, it was a point where my eldest daughter would be crying on a Sunday night because she knew she wasn't going to see me for the next five days, even though I'm in the house with her because I'd be out before she woke up and I'd be home after she got to bed. But now I see them all the time. But before, I, I'd never got that opportunity. So the technology has allowed me to be able to actually see what's much more important in that working life so I can have that balance between family and work and still deliver the outcomes that's needed for a company like Microsoft. I'd still be able to sit at home and take the kids to, uh, to school. Yeah, brilliant. So in terms of the end of the question, when we've said how can technology be improved to deal with this? So your communication, coordination, collaboration, would you say that the technology that we've got at the moment can't be improved? Um, it's, it's already, it will be improving, I think, because I work at Microsoft, I know what they're doing here. But yeah. I mean, there was an announcement um, that came out yesterday with Satya Nadella in the Build conference, and there'll be some more coming out in June as well, uh, which was announced before on the inside. I mean, Microsoft Teams is is the next big piece that they're investing in, because they obviously realise you know, exactly what we're talking about now. They know that loads comes from that. I mean, when the, when the pandemic hit globally, they saw a 600% increase in usage of Teams within a week. You know of that happening so that you know there was a huge uptake of that and you've got 600 percent increase on already huge numbers before the pandemic so you know you're talking millions of people now suddenly using it and then using it every day for two years it's now sort of embedded in that culture of most businesses to use something like teams to collaborate how do you create that collaboration even more so i mean that's where they're getting into the the virtual reality side of things of how do you start to do virtual reality workshops 
where you actually integrate with people and you can talk to people in that avatar space or physical space as well. So when that's Microsoft Mesh coming, and this isn't a sales plug, this is more just they're trying to push that boundary to go, you know, we've always seen this this augmented reality side as, as being the next big thing that they've built and it, it will be coming very, very shortly. And that's what they see as that, that, that technology advance to hear is, the tools are the same, but how do I make you feel like you're actually in it with other people? Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> if, again, if I may add to that, what's lovely is, is that, like I said, uh, uh, for everything that happens, the consequences of something as major as this pandemic has meant that um, the level of innovation uh, are about how do we not just deal with something like this again, but how can we really improve all of the the what are uh, the the bad things that have come out of this the mental health the uh, situation the work-life balance uh, where people have taken advantage of and said hey you know what this is amazing i can have more family time i can take my kids to school i can you know do all these things and what i'm loving about coming out of this as i said for every disaster there has to be some form of something better that comes out of this and it's wonderful because i see microsoft i see all the other companies whoever they may be whether it's a company internal policies so i'm looking forward to and i'm and how can i i'm excited literally about what i think will be the next technology jump that will come out of this and you know and that's what i'm really excited about so uh you know again charles wonderful to hear about the mesh again i don't know amanda what you know your company's doing from an innovation point of view you're not a software house but i'm sure you're doing plenty of other things um you know but I, i'm looking forward to it and that's why uh, you know I, I just think if there was ever another pandemic or any situation you know at the moment it's monkeypox but luckily it's not as contagious or anything um the the, the non, non preparedness compared to whatever the world health organization or whatever thought about pandemics on paper which was never followed i think we're going to have a different playbook and that playbook is what i think will make everything much easier better and i think we will see the ways of working which are truly going to give us the balance which i i feel we should have had back in the 80s Brilliant. Um, yeah, and to hear you, you, men you mentioned, I mean, we've got some great research and I'm, I'm just going to read off my notepad because I can't remember it all, but we've got some research on being omni-connected, which doesn't mean 24-7 connected. It, it, it means having that external experience regardless of where you're working from. And it's about instilling modern leadership, so empathy and transparency and trustworthiness, growing a thriving culture, so prioritising purpose, authenticity and psychological safety, enabling the agile organisation, so taking flexibility further and scaling new ways of working and empowering people through technology like we've discussed a lot. So that, there's, a, there's more to that research. It's about not anchoring people in culture, um, people and culture in space and place. So um, it's very interesting. Um, I know it sounds like a lot of buzzwords, but it's actually worth a read. Amazing. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you very much. So I've got some sub questions um, that um, Tahir and Giles, um, they gave me a few questions that they would like to cover. So I thought, why not put them as sub questions at the end? Um, so they might tie into what we've already spoken about. Um, but I thought, yeah, let's speak about these and see if we've got, we can get some more different views here. So I'll start with yourself to hear. So it's, you said many companies say innovation has been impacted, so they are urging their employees to return to the office. Is this true? And what impact has this had on your organisation? Um, so Giles, I'll go to yourself, if that's OK. Yeah, sure. Um, from what I've seen from a, a Microsoft standpoint, and just more broadly, is I've probably seen better innovation here in that sense of people have got more time to think where before, if you're doing that commute, doing the 10 hours in the office, plus all the politics and the noise of, of 
the offices and I'm talking from you know my personal experience here is having that free time without 20 30 people all around you trying to buy for your time and running to different meetings yes we're doing back-to-back -back meetings on teams but of course if you manage your calendar properly you know you can get that actual time to be alone and I think Amanda mentioned it too you know listening to a podcast and being able to go for a walk there's a difference between going for a walk where you may live which might be a nice quiet area in the forest compared to walking around busy streets in London where you know it's, it's not necessarily time to think I think that has allowed for better innovation and ways of thinking to kind of go well, actually how do we do this differently because I'm now able to act differently where before it was very much more of you know let's formally sit here and do a workshop and come up with innovation get great innovation through workshops sometimes it is actually that time alone and we think about people like Einstein and Isaac Newton and others if you read some of their biographies of how they came up with their theories a lot of the time it's because they just went for walks by themselves to let their subconscious think about everything that they're thinking about to try and put it into, into place and you can't do that when you're surrounded by loads of people in the office or, or talking on teams meetings and, and trying to do stuff so I think that's one of the areas where innovation has probably improved. Great thank you. Um, Tahir do you want to add to your question or would you um, like me to move on to Amanda? I know let's see what Amanda has to say I'd love to. <laughs> Go on, then, Amanda. I've actually got nothing else to add really good points made okay yeah. no problem um so what i'll do i'll um add on to um this giles's question in regards to working from home and the hours that people work so flexibility is easier um now for things like childcare, doctor's appointments things like that so how do we manage and be inclusive that you do not need to work a nine to five strict timeline and that people may work say five till seven a.m nine till three how it is that how do you manage that within your teams i'll start with to here so uh, again I, I don't work for anyone specifically so i work for clients and i can only sort of think about what it's been like for the last two and a half years with my clients and you know I have a an interesting um, uh, anecdote in a way I remember one meeting uh, was for a client where the chap was there and his young baby that they just had was sitting on their lap and throughout the two hour call that we had the baby was there and he was feeding the baby at the same time and I was like now that is multitasking wow <laughs> we're having this call and he's feeding the baby at the same time I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's quite strange because we've now intermingled um, aspects of home and work life and everything in because we have that flexibility to be home. So, but and this chap, he didn't have the the pleasure or the leisure because his wife, for whatever reason, might have been working or gone out. So he's still able to look after his child, but still be able to be on the call. And interesting enough, how everybody was so accommodating. Hello, how are you, baby? And, when the baby would smile and whatever it may be. So I, I think great things are, have come out and we just need to accept that this is the norm. You know, everybody talks about the new norm and I think it makes us more human because I've seen more life in people's homes over this period than I would have known them because I only hear what I used to hear from them when I was in the office and not necessarily would they talk about the, the nuances of, you know, I've got to go to the doctors, I've got to go to the dentist, my child's doing that or whatever. So I, I think we have, maybe what we're coming out of this is we're, we're becoming much more accommodating of normal life. Brilliant. Yeah, I totally agree. Who would like to go next? Would anyone like to add to that? I think it's a really good point you make about us being accommodating of normal life and um, embracing that people's home and work life is blended. You know, I've my, my kids and I've got four kids and I've got six year old twins and they sometimes arrive back from school 
and they want to come in and see me and I'm in meetings and I feel no shame at all in saying you want to come in I'm in a meeting come and sit on my lap and introduce them to the people on the call there's no you know perhaps previously I remember at the start of lockdown um, in March 20 desperately putting on my filter sat at a, a play table in my kids playroom um trying to work and look like I wasn't also homeschooling two kids and feeling like a lot of stress about it whereas now I'm like you know that's just what we do yeah <laughs> definitely Giles would you like to add anything onto that yeah I, I totally agree it's um to me it's it, I found that the pandemic and this whole work from home move is is, is really made people realize that actually the work life is not someone's life it's just part of their life and they do have a home life and to your point to hear you know actually getting to see colleagues family and their pets you know there's always the dog barking or the cat coming into screen um it's it makes it feel much more um real with your colleagues as well where i know when you're in the office it can be well you, you put your office persona on where if you're at home and you're a six-year-old sitting on your lap you're kind of a bit of a different person and, and almost a bit more approachable is nice and you know you, you sort of can connect better which i think helps back to our previous questions on the mental health aspect is you know you are actually then interacting with them on that personal level because their kid is sitting there or their pet is there or their partner has come in to give them their dinner and of course you know you're then all teasing going oh look at you getting your dinner served to you at the desk sort of thing you know it just it adds that bit more of uh humanity to the to the meeting which is nice where in the office, I, you know, yes, you're meeting with people, but I always found that there was always that layer of this is work and, and life is very, very separate unless I let you into it sort of thing. Where now it's, it is much more mingled, which could be quite nice. Brilliant. Yeah, totally agree. Would anyone uh, like to add any more onto that? No? Brilliant. Well, that's, I'm going to wrap that up, um, wrap this up even. Um, and all I just want to Thank you all so much um, for delving more, say, into the companies that you work for and also your views and backgrounds as to what you think um, on the questions that have been asked. Um, so, yeah, this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. Again, I just want to take the opportunity to thank you all, Amanda Giles, and Tahia, um, providing all your amazing insights into the topic. Um, and I also would like to thank everybody for listening.